0: G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I wanna ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance oriented hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots, so get your application pack by emailing me at info at readgoosons.com. And remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.
1: I felt a lot of, uh, of, of personal satisfaction, not to, not to sound too selfish about it, but, um, you know, that people would call me up. And I hadn't spoken to maybe in five years. And they'd say, hey, you know, listen, I'm thinking of doing this. You used to do this. What, what do you think? about this whole plan that I put together. And sometimes we'd spend hours, you know, going through it. And the fact that they thought it was valuable was was to me really edifying.
0: Welcome to Investing in the U.S., a podcast for real estate investors, business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S.
1: market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing.
0: G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reid Goossens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review Today on the show, I have the pleasure of chatting with John Stoy. John is likely the only investment advisor you've ever met who's managed over $3.5 billion and a sushi kitchen. Now, John's career in finance began on the Wall Street trading floor over 25 years ago with stops at investment and commercial banks, money managers, and he even had his own hedge fund at one time. Now, this experience has uniquely prepared him to see the financial services industry for what it is, which he believes is flush with companies and professionals far more focused on the best interest of themselves rather than the customers. Now, John believes sincerely that if done correctly and delivered fairly, good financial advice is more valuable than what it costs, and it's worth buying for the everyday American. Now, unfortunately, through his many years of experience, he knows that the banks and the broker dealers and the insurance companies do not have the customer's best interests in heart, and that's what he's on today. Sh- he, that's what he's here on today's show to tell us all about. Now, to top it all off, John also has experience in you know opening and running a small food services business, business which is very exciting as well. But I'm uh, I'm super excited to have him here with us on the show to share his incredible experience and insight. But enough out of me, let's get him out here. G'day, John, welcome to the show. How
1: are you doing today, mate? Great, thank you, uh, first of all, for having me on. It's uh, it's great to be here and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with you.
0: Mate, well, I know you reached out a little while ago and uh, I was really pleased and pumped when you said that you wanted to jump on. And, and I, I know that you've been a bit of a fan of the show, so, so thank you very much and I'm glad to have you here. But, you know, you know how the show goes. I'm going to ask the first question. Rewind the clock and, and tell me how you made your first ever
1: dollar as a kid. Okay. Well, I'm gonna, I am have listened to the show, and this is a great question. I'd love to hear hear other people tell you. Um, the way I made my first dollar is probably similar to uh, some of your guests. I It was mowing lawns. It was my grandmother's lawn. Um, and uh, And... I'm, I think that she probably gave me um, the ability to, to, to pull start that lawnmower a little earlier than I should have. Uh, the OSHA would have been a little upset uh, if they found out that the <laughs> you know a nine-year-old was pushing around this uh, this gas uh, mower with no uh, you know uh, screens or anything like that uh, protecting protecting him. But but that's what I did, um, and I the thing I remember about it most uh, was that it taught me about pricing, and I didn't I didn't realize it until later on. Uh, but she gave me $20 to, 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 to mow her lawn, which was really good, uh, Huge. frankly, and it, cause <laughs> since this was, this would have been like 1980 or something. So your, your, your 20 bucks is pretty good paycheck. Right. Um, and so I went and I tried to build a little business off of that. Uh, I learned two things. I learned one, not everybody wanted to pay $20, um, to, to, to have their lawn mowed. Um, and then, I learned the other thing, which is that some people were very happy to pay twenty dollars um, if I didn't take into account the size of the lawn um, prior to making that agreement. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, it it went from there.
0: That's awesome. That's that's a really awesome lesson. And, and yeah, twenty dollars to, to mow a lawn is a really exp- like that's well done. You could go buy yourself a bike with that back in the 90s. Oh my gosh! So. Yeah,
1: without a doubt. I, <laughs> I I think my my friends and I we we did we did we we sort of like uh, we syndicated. That's what we did at, at at a young age. We syndicated our purchases of of of, of music. So we went to the record store, uh, and and we were all uh, I'm giving myself away as a bit of a geek here, but we were all big Yes fans, and so mm-hmm. they had uh, you know a dozen albums, and and we had one of them each, and and so we said, well, geez. Um, what if we each bought one and then we could collect them all within three months and so and uh, that's that's what we did but uh but it, it was fun and 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 i had a good it was a good contribution when i got my 20 bucks
0: that's awesome no, that's that's and i think it's really valuable advice to to know what you're worth at a young age but then also to know what your services are worth and i'm sure we're going to get into this whole topic of financial advice here in a little bit but but now Fast forward. Take us through the journey of how you got to where you are today.
1: Okay. Well, heck, it, uh, it it's a long journey, and I and given given my age, um, not that I'm terribly old, but uh, but I got my uh, invitation to join AARP uh, just last week. The first the first of their many, I'm sure, invitations to to join them. I hear they do that when you're approaching fifty. But uh, but <laughs> at, at any rate, um, so. I have always been and in, involved in some way since my career started in 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 real estate shockingly enough which is why I was excited to be on your in your podcast um I didn't buy properties but my first job out of college was working on a mortgage backed securities trading desk um and so I got into that um and it just fascinated me because you could see and know that a property was behind each one of these bonds or in this in this case hundreds of properties were were behind these bonds um and depending on the types of them whether they were residential or or commercial the commercial mortgage-backed securities they, they could have been one or just a few buildings um and and i saw the power of how you know wall street financing could enable um more people to invest um than Otherwise it would be the case when banks would simply lend lend a certain amount of money out um, because you know they would eventually the banks would maybe not run out of money but 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 they would get to the point where they would need to slow their their loan production down um, and the securitization industry allowed that to obviously increase now as we know if we fast forward uh, you know twenty years to say two thousand seven eight nine we knew we know that 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 didn't always work out for the best but um the idea of being able to 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 structure products um to syndicate loans things like that 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 got into my head at, at an at an early age and and it's sort of part of part and parcel of the way i tried to do business you know going forward um seeing how how could it be could we put things together that made sense to go together um Cash and cash flow always driving outcomes and values, um, could you put together your cash flow using um, diversified or you know disparate sources um, and create something that was maybe more valuable um, at least to you, which is the most important thing um, to the client um, then. Might have been the case otherwise, had they been just involved in something plain vanilla like buying one single house or something like that. Right,
0: right. Tell, tell me about the lessons you learnt in those early years that has you know set yourself up to be the entrepreneur you are now and the services that you provide now. Because in the introduction, I said that you're very much focused and had seen the under the hood or under the skirt of, of these big companies and how they handle financial advice to the masses and so what lessons did you learn from that to make you go off and start your own business and, and, and do it in your eyes the right way
1: yeah no thanks for asking that that that's a great question um and uh i think if i answer it in the right order um <laughs> the in 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 the early days i didn't learn anything um and and, and i'm not kidding i i, I I learned a lot of details. Um, I learned that, yes, the companies were trying to take advantage of people, um, because they were trying to take advantage of, uh, of, of the traders on the other side of the phones. Um, everybody was just looking to see how they could make as much money for their own book, regardless of, you know, what happened on the other side. And, and in, in, and if you were just trading from, from Wall Street desk to desk, um, there is a winner and a loser. It is a zero-sum game. Um, mm. uh, it, it's not like investing where you're, you're, you're putting your money into something, uh, some entity where you hope that uh, the value of that entity will rise, benefiting whoever's working for or with it, and also helping you right, uh, with growing your, your investment. Um, well, the street, is not designed to do that. The street is simply designed to make money for the street. Um, and, and, and rewind 30 seconds. Why did I say I didn't learn anything? Um, it's because I thought for years, that's okay. That's the way it is. Right. Um, and I went from job to job, just trying to see who would pay me more to compensate me for the skill that I brought to, uh, to, the, to, to, to this, whatever entity again that I, that I was working for, be it a, be it a trading firm or a bank, um, and that's all I thought was, "Let me. How can I make the most money? If if I can't make a lot of money doing this, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna leave and move move to another place. Um, I didn't think it, of it entrepreneurially until later in my career when I looked back and I said, "Well, why did I like Wall Street so much? After I'd been." sort of off the street for a while. And, and I realized the reason why I did like it at least was that, that your income was uncapped. If you did a right. good job, if you brought something to the table, you would be paid for it. Um, and I couldn't understand how anybody could go work for um, what I just considered a regular company where they, they, they knew that they would not make that much money or they, would, they knew exactly what they would make, whether they did a super job or a kind of a mediocre job that year. So, so, mm, so I think that, mm. that did plant the seed for my entrepreneurial um, mindset, but, uh, but it, but it, but it, frankly, it took the, it took the financial crisis to, uh, to push me into, uh, in, into being an entrepreneur on my own. And, and, and talk about a little bit about that
0: why did it push you to do that because the wall street there was blood on the on the street in wall street and no one was doing any business and and thus you didn't have enough money coming in to put, to keep a house a roof over your head like what what forced you what, make, what mechanics forced you to go out on your own and i'm sure it would have been a huge leap of faith right at the same time right yeah
1: yeah it, it was a leap of faith and it was a bit of of me becoming jaded um, with the system each of these parts of my career could take a lot of time to discuss. So I won't, I won't get into the weeds on it, but um, the, I left my first, or I should say my last, um, banking job, um, my entire group left to form our own money manager. I took things um, for granted, things that were basically told to me by, by, by other folks, the, the folks who were starting the company, And I was going to be an employee. uh, That just weren't true. I I I believed too many people. I did not do my due diligence, Um, and and as a result of that, things some things that they did incorrectly. We went out of business. Um, So I was lucky. One of my coworkers. We partnered up, and and then we uh, we formed a hedge fund, and we got a commitment of 300 million dollars to invest in distressed assets this was right at the at the beginning of the financial crisis and we made a lot of progress uh, that was one chance i had at the golden ring as they say um or the brass ring uh, depending on who you're talking to uh but <laughs> could this could be a a a this would be a, either a sad or comical story um but, uh, but literally two weeks before we were supposed to close our first $120 million purchase, um, the government bailed out the banks for the last time. And the next day, we got a call from our, our representative from the bank we were to be purchasing this, this, this paper from. And he said, well, sorry, listen, we don't need your money anymore. <laughs> we just got it from the U.S. <laughs> government. Out. Uncle, Sa- right. Uncle Sam was a lot cheaper than, uh, than you were going to be. Um, and so we were out of business. And so this was literally the second time in a row that, um, through no fault of my own in my mind, um, you know, we were put out of business. And so I said, I'm done with this. Um, what can I do that's different? And, uh, and, 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 and I did think of what do people need? And I went through the, the whole, uh idea of 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 looking at markets and barriers to entry and things like that um and and so i did settle on the food business the food really, the reason there's a reason why people like get into food a lot because of anybody can do it essentially um and, <laughs> and it uh,
0: brings people together right it does
1: it really really does and um and i learned a ton from working um in that industry i love the people that work in food um they're some of the most caring people that you will you will ever meet um all they want to do if they've made it their career is to make people feel good and they're making them feel good by giving them something to eat. Um, and, and, uh, and what I, and and so it was fantastic. I mean, I, I learned a ton about running a business that I didn't know. I mean, I'd gone to business school and in theory learned about these things. (laughs) Right. But, uh, but, but, but until you go, um, and you have to answer, uh, Employees questions or and even create employees by hiring folks and there's no such thing as a human resources division um, And nobody's helping you um, You know, that's 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 where you learn. Um, so I learned a ton of stuff there um, I learned how to deal with the government uh, in terms of regula- regulation um, but but what I really learned was That I liked taking care of people as well I enjoyed mm. seeing a smile on their faces when, when they would have a good piece of sushi and the shock <laughs> and frankly, the shock on their face when, when, because of we, 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 we made fresh sushi, packaged it and delivered it for um, basically for, for grab um, wow. and go lunches. And, and no one could believe that you could have a good piece of sushi in a plastic bag. Bento box, um, basically, uh, but you can, right? And uh, it, if, if the ingredients are right and, and you keep it fresh, you can. But I love shocking people. I love that. I love the smiles. Um, and, 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 and so that... And why, why sushi? Well, that's a fantastic question. There's so, so, there's, so, so there's two parts to that. Um, the first part, which is more mundane, which is that, that um, I had a friend of mine from business school who had started a quick service um, sushi restaurant. And um, we had chatted on and off uh, about that uh, while, while I was actually working um, in finance. And so um, when I decided I wanted to do something different, um, I phoned him up and I said, well, I've got another idea. I don't wanna run a restaurant. I, I, I can't fathom hanging up a shingle and just hoping people walk in to, you know, to eat. But what if, what if we made sushi produced it and I went out and I found corporate clients who would purchase it and, you know, I could then control the supply. Um, I could actually do my own sales. I could plan inventory levels and production levels and all that kind of stuff based upon known, um, quantities of deliveries versus, again, just hoping that somebody came in for lunch or dinner. Um, and so that's how we ended up with sushi um, on, on, on that side. The other side of it was that um, sushi is great. I was thinking about hiring people, training people, um, systematizing things. Um, the only thing you cook with sushi is the rice. Right. Everything else is yep. assembly. And so if you could find two guys with decent knife skills you could teach them to build sushi. Mm. And so it was a lot easier in my mind um, to, to, to create that business, to hire the folks that you would need to replace folks as they left all that kind of stuff, all the training and systemization is a lot more, there's a lot simpler than um, say, if you want to do a barbecue restaurant and right. you're trying to, teach people how to smoke the meat just right and get the sauce perfect and all every single day and it might be a little different and you know right you you
0: you really saw it as a the most easiest systemized business in the food industry thus you went and did it right so so there was a there was a there's a calculated uh mindset going in not just the fact that you love giving people happiness and food and all that sort of good stuff. Yeah,
1: oh for sure, for sure because I mean you've got to be practical, right? Um right. I I, right. I I've done plenty of impractical things uh over the course of of my career um and uh, and probably leaving you know, finance to go start a, a sushi business is, is probably pretty impractical in and of itself, but <laughs> you know, stuff I'm
0: sure a lot of people were going giving you some weird looks as you, as you exited the office uh, or stage left. Yes. Right? Oh like, my what gosh. You doing? Um,
1: <laughs> and then that's, that's also when I learned, you know, that uh, obviously everybody thinks the grass is always greener um, because mm-hmm. I, I remember yep. going to, uh, I'd go to parties um, where people I hadn't seen in a long time. they from my old old work uh they'd be like oh man i can't i I love what you're doing that's so great i can't wait to do something like that 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 you know as soon as i get to point x whatever point that was and of course (laughs) it was it was a point that would never arrive right um i'm gonna do that i'm gonna quit this job and i'm gonna start my own business and i'm gonna finally do it um and I... It's, it's great that you
0: had the balls to go do it, right? Because so many people, exactly what you say is, I'm going to wait till this point in time where all the lights are green, which never is the case, right? And then they're going to take that leap of faith. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's awesome that you backed yourself and went and did that. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted No,
1: not at all. I mean, I, I'm taking a compliment that, I, that I've got these cajones, uh, but really what it, is, <laughs> what it was was that I was angry. I was just so right. angry. Um, my, my partner... Um, in that hedge fund business, um, he was a bit—he uh, was always uh, a bit of a masochist. Is that the—is that the right one? Um, but he would like to. He would—he kept track for a couple of years of 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 the values of that investment that we were going to make, um, and mm-hmm. and 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 calculated out based upon our our agreements with the with our financing partners uh, how much we would have made. What you could have made. Yeah. So he's yeah. like he's like you know it probably would have been like six or seven million each. I'm like. <laughs> well, one, thanks a lot, Sajad, for telling me that. Uh, I didn't need yeah. to hear it. Um, but, but, but I did know that, right? I knew it in the back of my head and I was so angry um, that uh, it's part of my personality that, that I've got to push back um, on mm. things. And so what I was doing was pushing back on Wall Street. I was saying, you know, the heck with you. Uh, it's not going to happen. I'm not going right. to let and you it- take the money away from me again. <laughs>
0: Right, and that's when you went and just jumped ship completely 180 on going from Wall Street to a sushi kitchen, mm-hmm. which is which is completely nuts. And uh, I know how um, how much sushi is regarded like a fine wine to some extent, where you have to get it right, otherwise people are not going to like it. Yeah. But um, but 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 a very interesting way of thinking about how to systematize or how to get into a business that has the least moving parts, so you can then systemize it to the to the best of your ability. And it doesn't matter what employee you have, you just you know plug and play. So that that's that's super interesting. So so what how did you exit that and go back into the financial financing world? Okay.
1: Um I was pushed, I was pushed again, frankly. And and, and this was the the best kind of push. Um the other push was was an was an annoying push. This was a good push. Um my wife and I, we had our 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 son, and um and the sushi business was such that we did our production overnight so that the sushi could be as fresh as humanly possible when delivered um, for our clients. And so, mm-hmm. um, while I didn't have to be on the production floor every night, um, I did have to be there, you know, fairly often. And you know, uh, upon the umpteenth call at one in the morning from my general manager or whoever was running the kitchen that night, saying, "Hey, boss, we ran out of avocados." Um and I'd have to get out of bed and go get avocados at the all night avocado store, you know obviously there's there are food service uh, <laughs> there's
0: a ton of them, right? There's all of them yeah. around the place. Yep.
1: So so um you know after that happened for the half dozen time um meanwhile we've got, you know, a 3 or 4 month old um in the next room who 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 needs attention etc. My wife said this is this isn't working. You know, we need to we need to mm. see if we can do something about this. Um and uh and so I said, okay, well, I'm gonna work on my exit. And uh and and you know, and happily, um, luckily, uh, you know, I, I was able to find a, a buyer for the business. So uh and they're still they're still doing it today. Um That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, but but I was able to get out and that's
0: uh, that's not and that's not a, that's not an easy feat to sell a food services businesses onto someone else. It's not like particularly someone who hasn't have the background in food services like you like you have you've literally come the probably the widest guy in the sushi business has come and 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 bought started and sold a successful sushi business that's pretty incredible in itself just saying that right it,
1: it, yeah it, no and 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 when i when i think about it you know i think about it i, I don't think then, about I it just, when
0: i say widest guy in the in the sushi i didn't mean to offend you it was no. more just like you don't have like you didn't go to Japan and study it for twenty years, and you had this craft that you wanted to really do, and you're passionate about sushi. It was more like screw this, is it like giving the, the the middle finger to Wall Street, and you're just going to do something polar opposite, right? Yeah,
1: no, and and that's exactly what it was, and and I mean I was kind of careful. I did I did find um, I found a general manager who was the husband of one of my coworkers at one of the banks that I worked at, he had had 20 plus years of food service experience. He had been a general manager at the, at the, at, at, at the seafood bar at a massive uh, hotel somewhere. So, I mean, you know, he, I found somebody that knew a little more about food than than, than I did to work with. But, uh, but given that, you know, when you say that it, it was, A great thing to be able to sell it. Um, It's something that a lot of businesses are obviously, you know, cannot do. Um, Most businesses, um, they just shut down. Mm -hmm. But I can't say that I thought about this initially. Um, However, once the business got going, um, I I did start to start thinking about it. And and what I sold was really the book of business, because that's Mm -hmm. what I had developed. I, you know, I, I developed a client base that were regular customers, several of whom had been customers for almost five years by the time I sold the sold the business. And so, when I went and created a a deal book essentially for for the business to to, to sell it, I could point at this list of customers that you were going to get. So, when I handed the keys over to the to the new owners nothing changed they still right. they went the very next day or the exact same day the delivery trucks went out and delivered the sushi and they knew that they were buying a business that had depending on you know what they did with it they should have had you know a, a bottom in their revenue of you know 850 or 870,000 for 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 the year mm-hmm. and and you know again the, the the upside being whatever they wanted to do with it um and and uh and that was another. I will go back and 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 say one of the other reasons why I got rid of the business is because I knew that the only way to grow the business significantly was to was to do it in a fashion that would negatively impact the family again, um, my son, mm-hmm. my wife, because of the way to grow the business, especially from a revenue standpoint, was I had identified was to do more catering, and mm-hmm. catering is all done evenings and weekends. And so that was very, very profitable, but also eating into the exact time that you wanted to be at home with your family. So right. you, you put all that together um, and, and, and that, that's what led me to, to, t- to end up selling it.
0: I'm interrupting this episode to remind you guys about the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. If you want to take your investing career to the next level and surround yourself with the best in the business, then apply today. Spots are filling up fast. I'm only taking a handful of people for the next round, so get your application by emailing me at info, I-N-F-O at readgoosons.com. Remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Now, back into the show, well, that's awesome and i i, I you know I applaud you for doing that because so many people, as you said, just get into these businesses um and they 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 have to shut down they have to, it's a food service business they didn't develop the book of business that you had. And that was, I think, key to the exit strategy that you could sell something reliant on saying, okay, you're going to make X amount of dollars per year from cash flow if you just buy this business. So you can, it's a very easy sum to say, what's my return on investment um, for a service-based business like for the food service industry. So very, very well done. Um, now, now now pivoting a little bit back into what you do today, how have you taken the lessons from those the, you know, serving people and, and seeing the smile on people's faces when when you when you give them food? back into now financial advisory.
1: Yeah, no, and thanks for asking that. Um and the funny thing is is that I can tell you now, I really feel I can. I can tell you, tell your <laughs> listeners, um, it's gonna sound like a lot of your interviews, as if it were predetermined or preordained, um, that this was what would have happened. But um it took me several years. Um I sold the business in uh first quarter of 15 and and it's now so 2020. Um, (laughs) I did take some purposeful time off. Um, My wife worked, um, and and I raised our you know our son when he was when he was real small. Um, But once he once he went to preschool, you know I started saying, well I'm ready to get back to work. Um, Mm. What can I do? What should I do? Um, I had friends telling me that they could get me jobs back in banking um, or investments, and the problem with that is, is that I got hooked on the flexibility of running my own show, and that wasn't going to work for the family anymore. Right, seven to seven requirements of 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 you know banking um, that just doesn't work. Seven to seven plus most Saturdays, right? Um, right. You know that that's not a uh, that's not a very good. Uh, use of time. Yes. Use of time, formula for success, you, you name it. Um, and so I had to go and, 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 and look again, like I did uh, before I decided to go with the the sushi direction. I said, what, what is it that I can do? What is it that I want to do? And it, it really happened to coincide with, uh, with learning about, um, how the internet um, and podcasting, frankly, also it was exploding the whole personal finance um, sector, uh, and um, how people were were learning that uh, Wall Street often is out to get you, and that, <laughs> yep. but 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 that people could get together um, on the internet and 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 share information really, really valuable information that could keep you from basically losing money, giving money away. Um, but also, you know, educating folks on, uh, on personal finance things that, uh, that, you know, only 10 years prior uh, really difficult to, 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 to distill. You, you, you could always buy mm-hmm. books, right? You could you right, could buy a, right, right, right. Uh, and, and in fact, I tell people, you know, go, just go out and, and, buy any book by john bogle and and you'll learn uh valuable investing advice um which is you know don't pay anybody to do your investing for you (laughs) um things like that (laughs) right uh but but so i said well i you know i know something about finance um i know something about running businesses uh i've had people over the years come to me, friends, coworkers um, and pick my brain on things that they wanted to do with their lives, frankly. Um, whether it be career moves, uh, investing moves, different things, you, you, basically you name it. Um, and I found that I, that's what I really enjoyed um, doing. I enjoyed those chats with my friends and I felt a lot of Uh, of of personal satisfaction not to not to sound too selfish about it but um you know that people would call me up and i hadn't spoken to maybe in five years and they'd say hey you know listen i'm thinking of doing this you used to do this what what do you think about this whole plan that i put together Mm. and sometimes we'd spend hours you know going through it and the fact that they thought it was valuable was was to me really edifying and so, so so i said to myself well how can i how can I put that together with my financial background because I can't hang up a shingle. I mean, I think I'm pretty great, but I can't really hang up a shingle much like the food business. So I don't want to hang up a shingle and just hope somebody's going to come in and, and buy some sushi. Well, I'm not going to hang up a, a, a shingle outside the door that says, uh, number one advice, come come talk to John Stoy about whatever. <laughs> right? Nobody's right. going to be calling right. my My phone is not going to be ringing off the hook. Um, but... <laughs> I can talk to them about financial uh, issues. I can talk to them about planning and the financial planning industry is a, is something that exists. <laughs> people, people do it. Um, and on top of everything else, um, I also know that people get taken advantage of by the financial mm. services industry, by people who purport themselves as, financial planners, but are really just salesmen for some financial product, often insurance. Um, and so I could just check off lots of ego boosting things on my side, which is like, help this person not lose money, help this person organize their life, help this person prepare for the future for a change instead of just letting the future happen to them. Um, and on top of all that, you know, I could actually get something out of it myself.
0: Right, right. As a personal gratitude, you could get something out for helping your friends and family and, and creating a business. So I guess what the question begs to come to mind is like for the listeners out there, when you're looking at financial advice or financial services, what are like the number one things you would advise people to avoid? Because you've obviously come from the world of Wall Street where you've seen behind the curtain of what you know they're just out there pushing some product again That's really not in the best interest of of the customer so are there any just you know a couple of tips you know two three tips that people need to understand when, when when looking at independent financial advisors
1: yeah i think um the first is is and probably the most important is figuring out how they get paid how does whomever you're working with get paid um and so you know the business of of commission based financial product sales um, is 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 under attack, rightly so. and people sort of get that. Um, I think they do. I think they they realize that if somebody is selling them something, they're the person selling it is got is getting paid but but exactly how and 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 wall street is mm. is 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 designed the products so that's very difficult. To, to actually see how that person is getting paid. Um, right. So how is the person getting paid? Um, corollary to that, if they say that they're not really getting paid on it, or they're gonna offer you some free service because somehow in the future they're going, they expect to get paid, that's that's also a big, a big red flag like for instance the the insurance salesman who bills them himself as a financial advisor it tells you well listen don't worry about it. we're going to do a financial plan for you how much is that financial plan oh no it's the financial plan is just part of our business we're just going to we're just going to do it and um and we'll see what happens because of then you know we might find something we can work together on i mean that that's language that they that they teach Financial planners, quote unquote, financial right, planners, right. to use. Um, well, shocker, um, they do the financial plan for you, uh, and you need a bunch of insurance. Um,
0: <laughs> their insurance, right? Their no, insurance. Not just any insurance. No, their insurance, right?
1: And and the most expensive type of insurance. Uh, <laughs> yes. And so so um, so th- so find out, you know, how the, how is the person getting paid? Um, obviously, you know, the conflicts of interest that go along with commission based. Financial advice are are fairly obvious. Um, so you look for look for fee only folks, but but even those people are 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 split into two camps. There's the the fee only camp that uh, charges people a percentage based fee of their assets under management, the AUM as as, as they call mm-hmm. it, um, and that's that that can be fee only. They could they could tell you quite honestly that they take no commissions based upon any financial sales. Um, but, and the, and they'll tell you, they'll use the fina- fancy word fiduciary. They'll say, I'm a fiduciary. I'm required to be a fiduciary, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's a, a word that I have a little bit of a problem with just because of it's, it makes it seem a lot more complicated than it is or what it actually is yeah, yeah or a little fancier than it than it is
0: yes yes it's all this fancy word and it means you must have my best interest at heart so I yes let's tick the box and sign away exactly <laughs> right?
1: um, but then on a fee only assets under management model the question then would be what's in the best interest of the client and what's in the best interest of the advisor well the best interest of the advisor, is to grow the client's money or account holdings as much as possible um, so that your fee could be as large as possible. Um, Well, if you understand financial markets, you know that there's no financial advisor in the world who can affect whether the financial markets go up and down. So right. the only way for them to grow your money is to get more money from you. They can't make the market go up. The market might go up. Sure. Might go down. But, but the only way for them to, 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 to make money from you is, is for them to get your money. Um, and corollary to that, to prevent you from taking your money from them to use in a fashion that will cause their compensation to go down. So like, suppose, suppose Reed, you came to me and you said, I've got this great opportunity for a syndicated uh, apartment uh, investment, uh, blah, 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 blah. You gave me all the details, it sounds great, right. right? And then I take it to my financial advisor and if he's an AUM guy and he sees that his account could go down $500,000 um, or $50,000, doesn't matter. Um, if you take this money out to make this other investment, um, what do you think his incentive is to tell you that it's a good option? I mean, he might mm. be perfectly honest, but somewhere in the back of that person's head is, a, is the knowledge that they're going to lose money. They're, they're losing, out. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so, so that's all about the question of how, the, how, how do people get paid? And obviously, so, so the way I run the business is different than, than the first two I mentioned, which is that, that I am a, a, flat fee or fee, fee only advisor. So that, that mm-hmm. is, is that I charge people a, a flat amount every year for the advice that I give them. And it doesn't matter whether they've got $500,000, 5 million or 50 million. Um, right. and so, and they know, they know exactly what it is every year, $5,000 mm-hmm. that year. Okay. I know it. And I know what I get for it. Uh, and it doesn't matter right. how many times my clients call me because um, it's popular. Some people like the idea of, a, of an hourly um, mm-hmm. advice. Yep. And that's great. But I don't know if you've used attorneys. I know you, I'm sure you have.
0: I have. Um, yes, I have. And trying to, trying to get them to, to, to agree to flat fee is uh, very
1: difficult. It <laughs> is difficult. And, and even if you love your attorney, attorney and they do fantastic work for you, when you sit down in their office or you call them up, What's in the back of your head, just like the just like the advisor right. that you're worried about? He's thinking that I'm going to lose money. Well, you're thinking that God, I hope I don't get to the next 15 minute mark because that's going to be another <laughs> X dollars, right? Right. I right, never exactly. want a client to call me up or to worry about calling me up because it's going to cost them right. an extra dollar. Right. So I think I think
0: you're incentive. What you're saying is you're incentivizing this the business structure to. To be beneficial to the client, so they can have you whenever they want, or advice from you whenever they want, without having that clicking, uh, the ticking time bomb in the back of the head going, "Oh God, how much is this going to cost me now? How much is this going to cost me now? How much is this going to cost me now?" So that's exactly
1: right. Yeah,
0: I think that's. I think it's a great, a great business model to to function around. Not only does it give you certainty of you know, your income for the business itself, but it gives some some certainty for, for your clients and then they can then go recommend you to other people, you know, and, and that helps you grow your book of business, which you clearly seem like you're very good at growing a book of business because you've done it on the sushi business, you've done it on Wall Street, now you're doing it for your own business. So I think this has been an incredible conversation. I do want to be very conscious of your time and, and, and you know, we've been recording here for a little while, but before we end the show, I do like to get into the top five investing tips. Are you ready to do it?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? The, the, basically the thing I do every day is I'm able to sit down between when my wife leaves from work and my son gets up for school. And I think to call it meditating would be way too formal. (laughs) But if I don't get those five to 10 minutes of zoning out with my cup of coffee, Every day, mm-hmm. then that day is 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 inevitably not going to go as well. So I know that that's something I really try to carve out that time for myself. Um, and And right. so I recognize the the value of meditating. again, that's not me on a yoga mat, but uh, <laughs> but that's what I do every day having
0: some quiet time of a morning before the chaos ensues right you know before the phone's on before the kids are up you know i i get it and i think it's really important to practice that every single morning and so many people on this show come on and say exactly the same thing uh who is the most influential person in your career to date
1: okay so i would i would i would love there's two people so i'm gonna break the rules slightly um uh, my dad, for sure, because um, so my dad uh, just passed away recently, well, a year, year and that. a half ago, feels recent, uh, 96, though. And so wow. he was the greatest generation. He fought in World War Two. He provided me with a level of stability that other Gen Xers sort of didn't have quite as much in my mind mm-hmm. because of the boomer generation is just different. Than, than that generation. So that he's given me so much advice over my life. The, the, the other person, specifically career-wise, I really didn't realize it until maybe even 10 years after I stopped working for him, it was my, my, my boss at um, the investment management company where I did run that three and a half billion. Um, man, he got on my nerves. And I couldn't <laughs> believe this guy. Um, and I, in my mind, he wasn't giving me any credit. You know, I, here I was. I had 10 years of experience uh, doing X, y, or Z, and, and he didn't believe me when I said this, and he didn't. Do, but every time he questioned my investment recommendation, he made me smarter, because he made <laughs> me go back at him. And half the right. time, I didn't have the answer. And it frustrated the heck out of me and but it was the greatest thing in the world uh, the challenge
0: of keeping you thinking fresh right i think mm-hmm. is really really important yeah. so your dad and your former boss that's that's awesome uh what is the most influential tool in your business today whether it be a software like a, a computer you know an app or something or you might even have a physical tool like a a notebook or 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 a, or a phone what well, you've what's given most, it, what's you've, most influential? You've,
1: you've given it away um, i'm <laughs> i i i am old school i like to use um the red moleskin notebooks uh and i like to have the smaller ones uh so mm-hmm. i can pop them in my pocket and i've got one I like- right
0: here i'm just um, it's, it's my own one it's my own branded one but it's the same thing it's small and it's just it's, it's effective so it, 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 it really it.
1: is and and all they tell you about writing stuff down and that being the best way to to remember it it's all it's all true and i know mm-hmm. i have a i have a reminder thing on my phone we all have like the notes on the iPhone or or your Android or whatever, but I, it doesn't work. My notebook works every time. <laughs> I, I find it
0: I find it a good balance between I've got a master to do list on Google spreadsheets that I go through for each individual property, but the the day to day, the week to week, get mind dumping onto a piece of paper into a small notebook, taking it when I'm walking properties or going to client meetings. It's so it's just enough to jot the idea down. You know, it's just a pen and paper there. And it's so simple and it's nothing more complicated than that. You don't need these tri- these apps and things that are buzzing at you and notifications all the sure. time. It gets a little bit stressful after a while. But no, I love it. I love it. In one sentence, what has been the biggest failure that you've, you've done or you've had in your career? And what did you learn from that failure?
1: So I will not be the first of your guests to say this but i'm I'm just going to tell you because it's my honest truth it's not listening to my gut uh not listening and yep doing things now this might be a little different for me um is i've spent my i'm 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 up again just like i like to help people i'm a pleaser um and so i don't like to give people bad news and Mm -hmm. as a result i've done the wrong thing i've had my little voice tell me don't do this don't do this and i felt that i would disappoint other people by either dropping out of an investment or not going to a certain meeting or whatever uh mm-hmm. and your judgment right yep and 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 i put that value the value of what the perceived judgment of of, mm. of my action would have been over what my little voice was telling me and just about every time it was a failure of some nature. And uh, and I've got more than one, so there's no point in, in telling you which failure <laughs> it was the worst. But, uh, but but I try, I still work to, to not do that.
0: No, I think that's super important to be self-reflecting of what is that shortcoming. And, and it, being a young hustler, young entrepreneur, young business owner, young whatever, you're always wanting to please. And that can sometimes make you burn the candle at both ends or make you make dumb decisions. So yeah, I think it's really important as uh, you know, for anyone listening to this show to have that self-reflection to understand that you're trying to you're always trying to say yes when you're starting out, but maybe sometimes understanding the power of no <laughs> or backing out is don't who, who gives a flying f uh, if or what other people think of you if you do not do what you, you promise. So right. and, I think and, it's hugely and important. They, and
1: they don't care. They may care a little, right, but they don't care right. anywhere right. as much as you think they care
0: exactly exactly that's so 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 true well john last question for you is where can people reach you to continue the conversation they want to be in your sphere a little bit more where do they go to
1: um well i am for better or worse uh all over um the internet um on (laughs) each social media platform you could search on uh on my name john stoy um you could go to my website uh john f as in Francis, stoy.com. And then my company is uh, Verbatim Financial. So VerbatimFinancial.com. All right. Well, thank you very, very much. And for everyone listening out there, stoy is spelled S-T-O-J, not Y.
0: It's yes, S-T-O-J. I When I leave that out, <laughs> there's always a problem. I, I think,
1: uh, I think you've, just, you've just given me my next uh, task. I'm going to go out there, I, why I haven't done it yet, and I'm going to purchase John S-T-O-Y, and I'm going to have him point. Mm-hmm. To my actual website. To, to your actual <laughs> website,
0: exactly, exactly. Well, John, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to to jump on today's show. Some of the big takeaway um, pieces of advice that I've, I've, I've just by listening to your story, I think, is the number one thing is your journey into understanding how to help others and how that has now driven you over all your years of experience. You know, going from the golden handcuffs and bumping around just to keep you know, upping the ceiling of how much you earn to understand the true value of what it means to serve others, I think is really kind of poetic. Um, and you've created a bit, two businesses out of that, both the sushi business and the financial advice business where you've really focused on making sure the customer is, is satisfied and you get joy out of that. I think that's really, really important for most people listening out there when starting businesses. The other big thing is, Creating assets in a service based business, which is you hit on it before you were able to sell the sushi business because you had you developed that black book, that was the asset. It wasn't the sushi, it wasn't the uh, it was some, some, somewhat the processes, but it was the, the book of business that you could sell to someone to say, you're going to continue getting this book of business if you do it using my methodology. Methodology, And that was valuable to someone. And I think that's really, really key for anyone who's doing a service-based business to, to understand that portion to make it valuable because you've then created an asset in that business. So um, yeah, did, did, did I leave anything out?
1: No, Reed, that was fantastic. And, and I'll just thank you once again for, for having me on. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, I look forward to, uh, to, to, to listening to all your next, uh, podcasts.
0: Well, my, well, thank you so much once again, enjoy the rest of your week and we will catch up very, very soon. Fantastic. Well, there you have it, another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from John. Uh, please do head over to his website. That is uh, dot com and just understand a little bit more about what he does in the financial advisory service business. And I think John really has means it when he wants to serve his clients the best they can. And having a model, which is a flat fee, is so much more valuable to, to his clients than having something that is assets under management. Um, I want to thank you all again for taking some time to tune in to continue to listen to this show each and every week week because you're all here to grow your financial IQ. And we're going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go give life a crack.